You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier of Pro Football Weekly and the NFL 1000. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? Well, I'm waiting for our comic interplay, and then I'm going to take a drink of water today. As, it says, <laughs> opposed to last time when I took a huge swaller of water, swaller of water, and you asked me a question, and I all over well, my microphone. So I apologize. Yeah. So in full, in full disclosure, we're we're recording podcasts back to back, so I, I still might edit out that other one, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> we'll see how it works. I, I can edit it out the the gurgling sounds and all that kind of stuff. Oh, so. that's no. Come on, that's good radio. <laughs> All right, so coming up on today's show, we discuss the Cowboys' tight end room. Uh, last three shows cover the quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers. Uh, the tight end position is uh, uncertain. Uh, for the first time in several years, the Cowboys don't have a clear-cut number one tight end going into the roster or going into the season. Uh, for years, it's been Jason Witten. You've never had to worry about it. The question has always been who's going to back up Jason Witten. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right in. If you had to place a bet today, Landon, yeah. who do you think ends up being the starting tight end in week one against the Carolina Panthers? Hmm. Or is that a trick question? Maybe they won't have a tight end. Yeah. I mean, see, that I think, you know, and, and that's, you know, we're going to have a, a whole conversation because we only got four of these guys to discuss today. But I think the interesting part of the conversation that we're going to have is what is the tight end position of the Dallas Cowboys now? Um, because, uh, you know, it's it's I think the interesting intersection here has been, you know, the, the retiring of, of Jason Witten and also the, you know, ongoing shaping of the offense to mold uh, something closer to what we want. For, for this uh, you know current group including Dak and and Zeke and that that means more RPO and that may mean more spread concepts so what does that mean does the tight end look like an H back now does the tight end look like a a move tight end Is, are we still going to be getting you know a vast vast majority of the tight end with his hand in the ground on the line of scrimmage so um and I and that kind of goes really around your point but I think you know. It, that is going to be part of the question. To me, I think Jarwin is the guy that they seem the most excited about. I guess you know that. I mean, I, I mean, obviously they're excited about Dalton Schultz, but I mean, as far as the guys that are here already that they're talking about, Jarwin seems the most excited. The, the guy that they're most excited about. Um, and and I, you know, I to me he looks more of that kind of move H tight end. Jeff Swaim at this point to me is probably the guy who, if they have to come out there and line somebody up on the line of scrimmage, uh, in a true inline Y, uh, then I think that Swaim is likely to be that guy. Um, and but I mean, uh, you know, I also mentioned two guys who aren't the fourth round rookie that they just drafted, so it's really wide open right now what the tight end position looks like and, and therefore of course that also dictates how wide open who's going to be out there playing the position 
All right, so let's let's dig a little bit. Let's go back to Scott Linehan and kind of his coaching history because I uh, I think his his fingerprints are all over this offense, and obviously he calls the plays. Um, he's not, he hasn't been with Jason Witten all that long. So I, let's go back and look at some of his coaching history and how he's kind of handled that tight end position uh, before. Uh, so he started really his NFL career with the Minnesota Vikings in 2002 uh, through 2004. Um, and they had a guy by the name of Jermaine Wiggins, uh, who he actually fed quite a few targets in, in 2004, was the team's leading receiver. Uh, but he actually played a lot of H back that season for them. So uh, he was built more like what your, you know, Jameez Olawali looked like. Uh, 2005, when you went to join the Miami Dolphins, uh, they fed Randy McMichael a ton of targets. He was the second leading receiver on the team, uh, had 104 targets. Uh, then you jumped to the the St. Louis Rams, where he was the offense coordinator. Um, they didn't really have a receiving weapon for the first few years. They used uh, a guy of called uh, Joe Kloffenstein, which was basically a fullback tight end hybrid who caught just a couple passes each year. Uh, later on, they got Randy McMichael, uh, a guy that he coached in Miami. Um, in Detroit, they had Brandon Pettigrew, who was uh, more of your traditional inline tight end, uh, did a lot of the short stuff very similar to what Jason Witten did last year. Um, so it's kind of been all over the map a little bit with Scott Linehan. We, he really doesn't have a set role. Um, he really can adjust his offense depending on what kind of personality he has. I, if, if I'm looking at this, uh, you know, comparing to, you know, some of the other teams as he's had, this offense reminds me a lot of those 2006, 2007 Rams team where they've got their feature guy in Steven Jackson. They're going to feed him targets and, you know, they, the other tight end, you know, stuff is you're just going to block. We're not going to we're not going to give you a ton of, uh, of targets in the passing game. We need to get blockers on the field. And when we do want to pass the ball, we're going to feed our, our number one receiver or our running back. So uh, any thoughts on what Linehan might decide to do with this position? Well, I mean, I think what we're what we're seeing here is that, you know, they don't. They're not necessarily uh, requiring uh, the kind of super dynamic receiving threat at tight end that um, that I feel like a lot of other traditional Coriel offenses have. You know, I, I think you know they have. You know, you look through all that, and Eric Ebron is probably the closest thing that Linehan's ever had to a Kellen Winslow. You know, and so absolutely, like I mean. I, I think that what that means to me is that, look, I mean, just look at, uh, and I was talking to you about this before the the show, the the way that they they didn't panic really when Witten retired, it, 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 you know, like I I feel like we we would have seen what panic looked like if they really were panicked about this, you know. But they can I also say this though, real quick. Round. The, yeah, they they also didn't panic when they lost Hannah. I, I know Hannah's nowhere near on the level of Witten, but that was your number two tight end for the last several years as well. Yeah, well, I mean, if anything, that reinforces my case Absolutely. because I think you know the point is is that if they if they're losing the top two tight ends and they're only replacing one of them right with with a with a draft pick, and you know we're gonna have a whole thing about Rico, I'm sure here in a little bit, but. Uh, you know, from everything we hear, Rico is not someone that they're relying on. 
Um, oh, that's being very so kind. I, I, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess my point is is that uh, they're not relying very much on the tight end position, right? Like because uh, you know, and here's the other thing about it is that they bring in a, a coach who doesn't have any uh, uh, experience coaching specifically tight ends. He is, you know, Nussmeyer has been a offensive co- uh, uh, analyst, a, a offensive coordinator all throughout college football. He was a quarterbacks coach for for Linehan back in the day. He's never been specifically a tight ends coach, and what that tells me is that. They're not looking to necessarily develop, you know, a dynamic tight end player. They're looking at uh, the tight end as being kind of a uh, a useful gadget position in, in a larger offense, not necessarily a focal point for targets, you know. And so that, and and I think when you go look that they drafted a guy who they consider to be probably the best blocking tight end. They consider, I mean, I don't know if everyone, but they consider to be the best blocking tight end in the draft specifically. Um, uh, to me, I start to see a picture being painted where they're looking at this position at maybe more of a traditional blocking and or you know getting passes in scenarios where they you know they're looking to get him open specifically, but not a guy who is you know a playmaker uh, at, at the position. I I'm trying to think of a scenario where they have a single tight end that catches. 50 or more balls this year and I just don't see it um, now maybe maybe Jarwin develops into that and they he's a guy they feel like they can't take off the field but I think you're right I, I think this is going to be a, an evolving position and I think I even think that the way that they use the tight ends at the beginning of the year will look much differently than the way they use it at the end of the year I think they're going to go into the year uh, using a ton of running backs out of the backfield they're going to use Tavon they're going to get his touches uh, they may even use Terrence Williams as a pseudo tight end. They could use Noah Brown. Um, it's going to be a, a much different uh, usage rate than what we've been used to in the last several years. Um, so let's go ahead and dive right into those tight ends. And let's start with Blake Jarwin, who you mentioned before. Uh, Blake Jarwin uh, ha- did not <laughs> catch a pass last year, um, but he was a guy that the Cowboys obviously liked. They stashed him on the practice squad for most of the year. Uh, Philadelphia came after him, uh, and Dallas was forced to move him on the active roster uh, instead of losing him. Uh, he's an average athlete. He's got good size. He, he's not a he's not a plotter, but he's not somebody that you know you are going to see elite you know yards after catch production. Um, I, I like his ability to to come out of the backfield and block. He can be used as an H-back. You can use him out wide. You can use him in line. Uh, he does have soft hands. He can make catches over his shoulder. He can make kind of the twisting uh, catches around him. He's got a big catch radius. He just doesn't have a lot of experience as a pass catcher in college or in the NFL. Um, he needs to improve his power in terms of blocking too often. Uh, guys can kind of move him around a little bit, but uh, of all the tight ends on the roster, he's probably the closest thing to a traditional tight end uh, that we, we've we've kind of become accustomed to in here in Dallas. So uh, you were one that saw Blake Jarwin at training camp. Can you kind of give us some of your notes from what you've seen firsthand? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that um, he is... Uh, I, I kind of disagree a little bit with you. Um, I think that he is less the traditional tight end type and more of a the move type. I think he's closer to uh, 
to Hannah than he is to Witten. Um, I, I think he he doesn't have that that kind of long speed that uh, that uh, that Witten did. I mean that that Hannah did Hannah that had, was, yeah. you know, coming out of college. Say, yeah, I mean yeah. coming out of college. But but um, but but he has really. I mean he has almost elite burst. Like he really gets off the line of scrimmage quick. Uh, he gets out of his stance fast. A um, one five eight ten yard split, you know, which is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic for a tight end. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. But but I mean, what's his forty? I bet it's uh, like four, four seven, seven something, right? Four seven three. Yep, which is in about the yeah. So like, I mean, with that fiftieth That's percentile. exactly what he plays like. Yeah, that. So he's an average long speed guy, but he moves. He explodes out of his stance and gets. And I, you know, and honestly, that's one of the things you saw with Witten all the time. I mean, again, I'm not comparing the body type, but that was one of the things that I, even his last training camp, was always shocked how fast that guy got out of his stance. Sure. So, I mean, I think what what you see there is this is a guy who has an opportunity because of his uh, physical skill set to develop a little bit as a route runner. And I I think that if if they're excited about Jarwin, to me, I, I think it means that he's probably developed a little bit more as a pass catcher because I feel like he has a lot. That's what I saw a lot in college, not college, in um, a training camp, is that it, to me it looked like he had a lot of upside there uh, as a pass catcher because you know it's funny because he wears eighty nine. So he's got Escobar's old number. And so all throughout training camp, I was watching tight ends because we were watching Rico. We're trying to figure out what's going on with Swaim. And and this guy, number 89, keeps making all these plays. And, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? No, that's not. And so it took me a while to get used to it. But I, I, I do think that he has, uh, because of his physical tools, uh, ability to be a, a short area of receiving threat for this team. Um, either out of the backfield, I, you know, he, I think he can play online. But I, to me, I think Swaim is a little bit more physically built to play that wide online wide tight end than, uh, than at least than the last time I saw Jarwin. Yeah, I would agree. Swaim is quite a bit bigger. Uh, Swaim is six foot four, two hundred sixty. Let's go ahead and dive into him right now. Um, I actually don't mind Swaim. I, I think if you keep Swaim as that third tight end. I, I think he can be a useful player. Now, he's actually a pretty explosive athlete when you look at the, the pure numbers. He has a uh, 124 broad jump, which puts him in about the 93rd percentile, a 35.5-inch vertical. Uh, he's just not very experienced as a pass catcher. But if you use him uh, on some of those play-action boots, um, he, he can catch the ball and he can get upfield enough to make plays. I do think that's a guy that you want him to be in a limited role. Uh, you do want him to probably be just a blocker who, if he's open, you throw him the ball. But it, I think they can find him snaps in this offense. And I think he's going to be very important to the Cowboys' uh, rushing attack, especially uh, on the outside zone because you need a guy that can hold the edge there. So give us your, some of your more t- uh, takes on Jeff Swain. Yeah, I mean, I think Swaim is going to be the guy that you know immediately, like I said, is going to be the guy that they're going to be putting in on 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 downs when you want him as a blocker or as a guy that. And I think what he where he's good, especially, is on play action. He sells he sells the 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 blocking up up front really well, and then is just kind of is able to sneak around it through defenses and, and and you know especially on plays where they're doing kind of 
boot bootleg action and he's the backside tight end who's coming on a sail route across the field. You know, I think he does that really well. He presents a good target for Dak. I think he can catch the ball when it's thrown to him. He doesn't have he doesn't fight it or anything. So yeah, I mean I, I like I like him as a you know again, he's he's not gonna be a guy who's gonna beat you know difficult defenders in pass coverage but Absolutely. he's the kind of guy that when you scheme him open he's going to catch the ball and he's going to he's going to you know get you a couple extra yards after the catch i mean he's going to do what you what what is drawn up for him and so i think that's really what what is, all that needs to be asked for from the tight end position at this point is you know do your job as a blocker and then if you get schemed up uh, as a pass catcher and you're open just catch the ball and you know you don't you don't need to be anything more than more than that. And I think that's kind of more the model that they're looking for from these positions is that hey, we're not asking you to be win. We're not asking you to make the third down catch. You know, we're we're asking you to block it as we as it's drawn up. And then when we scheme you open on a on a misdirection play or on a constraint play on play action uh, on an RPO, when you are given the opportunity to catch the ball, catch it. That's it. The next guy we need to talk about is Rico Gathers, and I'm not sure I can be objective on Rico because I love his game so much. So I will let you go first. Tell us about Rico Gathers um, and what you expect from him this year. Well, no, you should you you should go first because you need to give the optimism, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I, I don't want to tamp down the optimism too much. I just I'll, I but I I, I mean you, you go first this time. <sighs> I really don't see a reason why Rico Gathers shouldn't be a big part of the Cowboys offense this year. Now, uh, I will preface that with saying that there obviously there's stuff that the, the Cowboys coaches don't trust or like about him. And whether that's maybe he doesn't take the craft as seriously as they want. And, and I can understand that, especially when you've had Jason Witten all those times and uh, maybe Rico doesn't have that same love for the game. I get that. I, I, I understand. They want guys that are, are committed to football. But there's sometimes when you just watch a player and you can see he's just a better athlete than the guys that he's going against. Um, and we didn't really get to see much of it in 2016. I know there was that one play where he kind of caught a pass and spun a couple different times. That doesn't show me you much. But the the preseason games against the Cardinals and the Rams uh, last year kind of just showed you what he could be in the NFL. And we know he is not a a guy that is going to win with his technical routes, and we know that he needs a lot of work as a blocker, and I understand all that. But we have seen this transition happen for a bunch of of former basketball players come right in and be impacts in the passing game. Uh, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez. I really don't believe he is that much different than what Jimmy Graham was in his first couple years in New Orleans. Can he only run a couple of routes? Yeah, probably. Uh, Maybe you only use him in the red zone. But that's the most important part of the field. You don't have a a go-to target in the red zone anymore, but Des Bryant now gone and Jason Witten gone. I don't think that's Jeff Swaim's game. I don't think that's going to be Blake Jarwin's game either. So if Rico is only playing those snaps in the red zone, I still think he can provide you value. Uh, I liked what he was doing as a blocker in preseason. Um, I, I think he's got a lot of size to give teams problem. He's obviously going to be a big mismatch weapon. He can win in the air. He can win with the speed. I think if the Cowboys want to be a more explosive offense, 
that actually can threaten teams down the field and down the seam. They've got to figure out a way to get Rico Gathers involved. Uh, you saw him in camp, and I know there was a lot of frustration there, and I know there's a lot of learning still to be done with Rico, but what do you think about Rico Gathers and just his ability? Well, I mean, I think his physical ability is is obvious. I mean, the fact that he's able to do what he's doing despite, you know, a lot of things going against him, uh, you know, I are it shows you the kind of physical ability he has. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, running a post route against cover two when you know that it's probably only going to be cover two and not, you know, having to worry about adjusting to a hot route because there's a defense blitzing, uh, is, is that's what preseason football is about, you know? And so like, and I think that is preseason football is built to show off Rico gathers strengths without revealing his weaknesses. And that's fine because a hundred percent fine. But, you can use no, him in but, those but same no, ways no, that are in but, the game though. But how am I getting him on the roster? If I, if if I'm only if I'm only using him for as a or occasional deep threat and then on the in the red zone, like I I can't just put that guy on my roster. Like that's not enough to get him on the roster. It's just not. Like I mean I I understand that people want to have this idea that you can have a single shot player like you know or, or a whole bunch of these single shot players on their team. But like, first of all, he's not even developed enough in that respect to be that yet. And second of all, see, I'll disagree. Like, there. Uh, he's at a position. Well, I mean, that's fine. But you, I mean, you haven't seen him against schemes, defensive scheming against him, or you haven't seen him when he's had to, uh, you know, make a hot read or make an adjustment on his route, you know, mid route. So, and, and neither have I. But my point is, is that the guys who have all say that he is not even close to being ready. And then on top of that, you and I have both heard whispers from birds that have not implied great stuff, that, that, that he's not necessarily taking all of this completely seriously. So, you know, I understand that the physical, you know, ability is absolutely clearly off the charts. But, but A, he hasn't endeared himself to coaches at all. That's B, true. he hasn't, you know, the, the, the like I said – the negatives of his game are easily masked in a, in a in a exhibition a preseason exhibition game, and 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 again as as roster spots are extremely invaluable at this spot, he needs to be you know this isn't like a ten sack pass rusher who can only play on ten on third downs. They have other ways to attack down the field. They have other ways to attack the seam. Rico Gathers isn't the only option there. He just may be the best tight end option there. And and even then, that's the only thing that it feels like we can get him on the field for. So uh, it's it's a numbers game. It's a it's a lot of different things. But all of that can be easily mitigated or easily, you know, handled if Rico Gathers himself can just up his overall game enough to to make him uncuttable or make him not able to be taken off the field. But if, unless that actually happens, then there's absolutely zero reason that we should be counting on, on this guy or, or counting on him making the roster uh, unless he's shown like that incredible market improvement. That's going to make him invaluable and, and un, uncuttable or un, untakeable off the field. 
I will say this about Rico. Uh, Scott Linehan has a little bit of a history of using this type of player. Uh, in 2013, uh, the Lions had a tight end by the name of Joseph Fourier. Do you remember this guy? Uh, six foot seven, yeah, 270 pounds. Massive guy. Uh, he had seven touchdowns, all that came within the five-yard line. Could the Cowboys potentially use Rico in that same type of role? I think so. Um, and maybe once they get to camp and they realize that they don't have anybody that can do that or they don't have anybody that can run that RPO route uh, like they use with Witten, uh, maybe Rico is an option. But I, I do think I think we'll see, know I think, I think the RPO is exactly why you don't need that guy. Because I, because now you don't need that's and one of the reasons that they were able to get rid of Dez is because Dez one of the, at the end of the day Dez was uh, his invaluable nature was was the tight end aspect of it his red zone efficiency but if you have Ezekiel Elliott this offensive line a quarterback who can run it and the RPO game installed so it gives you a a, a pass option all within the five yard line. Uh, like that's going to be incredibly difficult to stop. You don't need to be throwing these fades to the outside. That's a higher probability chance of make of of getting a touchdown there with those three options than it is trying to throw up a fade to the outside. I want to be optimistic about Rico. I really do because I think he he has special special traits. I'm just worried that it's not going to come all together for him. Uh, we'll see. I could be really wrong, but. Um, my gut tells me that he's probably not going to be on the roster this year as much as I want him to be. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Cowboys' fourth-round pick, Dalton Schultz. Um, I had a, a lot of questions about Schultz's game uh, entering, uh, you know, kind of after the Cowboys picked him. Uh, not that I think he's a bad player, but I just think he's a lot more raw than what people want to expect. Uh, he has no problem blocking out in space. He's got a good frame on him. Uh, they used him in multiple ways as a blocker. He's mean. He's got, he'll block after the whistle, uh, but he's more of a turn blocker than a mauler. Uh, guys can kind of get underneath him a little bit and move him back. He has to get stronger. Um, he's got to improve his functional strength. And as a receiver, he basically has... Uh, I mean, he's really raw there. He, he's got some ability, but man, they just didn't use him very much in the passing game. We've talked about Schultz quite a bit on the podcast, but just really quickly, what do you expect from him this year for for the Cowboys? I see. I don't see him as raw because I think his blocking technique is solid. I think it's extremely solid. He's not as strong as you want him eventually, but he can go out and execute whatever block you're asking him to execute now because he's done most of them at Stanford from a variety of different spots, which is really, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, the thing that prevents tight ends from getting on the field especially rookie young ones, is their inability to execute all the different types of blocks and all the different types of things that you're asking him to execute from all the different positions and all, uh, on the field that you're asking him to execute it from. So, uh, this guy's done all that. So he, he knows how to do all that and, and how to, to you know get, get where he needs to go position-wise. I mean, the, the thing he does really, really well is that he's really, really excellent at getting to his spot, and and you know he's a shield off to fit uh, blocker. I mean, we that's you know that's kind of who he is at this point. Uh, and but that's more than enough when you're when you're talking about like running wide zone or running some of these blocking schemes. We're not asking him to dig out defensive tackles in the middle of the hole. We're asking him to to get in the way of a linebacker as Zeke runs past at full speed. So, um, and I think that he can you know 
execute the blocks that he's supposed to execute because he has the athleticism, the understanding, he understands angles, uh, and and he has the you know technique work to at least you know be a nuisance enough to 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 execute the block. Now he's he not, he's not pancaking guys for sure, but uh, when you're asking a, a tight end to block, especially you know in the schemes that we're going to be doing, really that's more than enough for him to get on the field and see some snaps. I agree. As a receiver, he doesn't have a lot of tape there. I don't know that that has anything to do with his lack of ability as much as they've got two first-round guys sitting behind him in a, that are like a year or two beneath him. So they were taking advantage of the of the talent they have there. So, that's very true. You know, I, I think that likely – you know he he may be he may have a little bit more upside there than we're even aware because we just have not seen very much of him as a receiver. So uh, I don't know that he's gonna you know you know be the all time leader in receptions or anything, but if for the Cowboys, but I I think that I don't know that it's gonna be a weakness either. Again, I think the for this offense, clearly where we're going, I just need you to if you can catch if you if you're open catch the ball. You know, we we're probably going to find ways to try to scheme you open, so just run the simple route and catch the ball if it's thrown to you. you we're not asking you to, you know, get open versus Earl Thomas one on one. We're we're asking you to, if a linebacker decides to commit to a run versus a, a an RPO, that you catch the ball when you're wide open and the ball gets thrown into your gut. All right, let's go ahead and rank these this position. Uh, dominant group, solid group, needs work. Or smoking crater. What do you think about the Cowboys' 2018 tight end position? Well, I think this is the toughest one because we don't know what the expectation is. I mean, I think wide receiver was very difficult, but I think we knew that we still need had some things to suss out, and, and that's why we put you know needs work because you know they need to uh, you know get themselves up into shape to even show us what we what they've got here at tight end. Like I, I, I don't know what the expectation is because I don't think it's going to be you know. <laughs> Who's Jason? Who's Jason Witten? You know, I think it's sure. more. It's it's more about them not just replacing Jason Witten with the tight end, or them replacing ty- Jason Witten with one or two or a combination of these guys. It's more like, okay, we're we're are we redefining this position? Are we changing what we want and what we need in this position? And if so, uh, you know, what's what's you know how 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 do we do along those lines? So. I would say that you know, just due to that, it's you have to kind of go in the middle of between you know needs work and and solid position. I think because it's just it's 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 a lot of unknown because you don't know the grade that you're you don't know the scale that you're grading at at this point. Yeah, I struggle with this one. I'll probably go somewhere between smoking crater and needs work, with probably leaning towards needs work because. I know what Swaim can do, and I have a pretty good feel for what Jarwin can do. So I think they've got at least competent guys there. Um, but it's obviously a position of of need if they plan on having the same traditional tight end that they, you know usage that they had last year. If they're just not going to use that position, that's fine. But we should know pretty quickly uh, what the tight end position is going to look for like for them this year. And it won't be surprised if you know we're talking about. You know Dallas at this time next year uh, about the number one pick that they used on a tight end. So 
I'm going to be fascinating to watch that position. Let's hope Rico figures it out because I think he is the one receiver or the one tight end that has a chance to be a star in the NFL. But uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBTP. You can follow the show at Cowboys, And, of course, I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time. 